Nerds International proudly presents Welcome to the 3T RPG podcast. My name is Harrison Hunt, and with me is Nick Lamley. I'm a ghost. <laughs> what is that? So, um, obviously, we are here to talk about RPGs and have some of the, what, what you human people call fun, right? But, unfortunately, there's a bloody apocalypse going on outside. Isn't there? <laughs> Unless you didn't know, yeah. It's um... So, yeah, uh, basically, during we usually try to meet up and record in person, um, and we think it makes a better podcast, and a lot of our segments only really work <laughs> properly in person. Yeah. Um, so we're having to record over the internet. <clears throat> Both of our wives are in the high risk category. Mm-hmm. So Nick and I are currently in a nuclear bunker, separate, obviously, <laughs> with an internet um, connection. Yep. Exactly. I mean, it's it's a good bunker. Mm-hmm. I didn't say it was a bad one. No. Um, so yeah, essentially the show's going to take a little bit of a change during this period, and it's not going to be massive. But essentially, we're going to be recording online. Um, we're still going to have what you've been slaying, the main subject, and electro letters. But there are other segments, the stupid ones, such as what that are going to have to going to have to take a little break. But that all that means is they'll make a triumphant return. Exactly, exactly that, and we'll be back better than ever when we get to our normal kind of format but rather than you know we didn't we didn't want to shut it down obviously keep people smiling yeah. so yeah the show must go well, on hopefully more, more we'll wait to the feedback we're more keeping people angry let's put it that way um but i think what we'll do you know after the virus we'll come back with even better segments like what this and uh goblin or noblin Goblin, you know? goblin, very nice. <laughs> anyway, let's do some feedbacks. Let's do it. The feedback side. The feedback side. Yes, bitch. The feedback side. Feedback, bitch. It's the feedback section. Yeah, we take your comments and read them out. Yeah, feedback, bitch. So the first one comes in from. I, I don't know. Oh yeah, here it is. So the first one comes in from James Holt, aka Mr. Stag, and he says. I consider myself a tr- traditional Brit, stiff upper lip, keep calm and carry on, all that shite. But current world events and job security worries have made it a real challenge of late. I was a couple of episodes behind and caught up yesterday, and I have to say, your show's really helped put a smile back on my face. Just wanted to say thank you for being a comedic light in these dark times. Keep up the great work and look after yourselves. Now, there is a reason that I've read this out. I know it's just a bit sycophantic to have a, a praise read out like that but he does say at the end P.S. can we get one last Bobby Evans reference uh, no look you naughty boy James you, you you've just done, done it bad <laughs> we told you about this anyway have- the uh, the next one comes in from Man Tornado on Reddit oh my god I know you're in for a bicep there we go attack <laughs> he says, I stopped listening to you guys after you reviewed Mifarog. Even if you tore it apart, I think it's wrong to give airtime to products made by monsters. Um, okay. I don't know if I agree with that. Because the thing is, the, the, point, the whole point of the episode was that Varg is a murdering psychopath. And what would an RPG by someone like that look like? Do you know what I mean? I thought that was interesting. Me too, and it's not as if, like, you know, he hasn't benefited from our podcast, I would say, has he? Not, I, I doubt many people went out to buy it after we tore it apart. <laughs> They're like, 
Oh, you know what? I I was looking for a racist RPG by a murdering nutcase. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I mean, if you can't even review something, you know, by a monster to tear it apart, what can you do? You can't even... By that logic, you're not allowed to reference Hitler, so World War II's not getting taught in schools anymore. It never happened, apparently, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, anyway, no, we're going to still keep reviewing weird stuff because we like it, and it's interesting. That's the point. It's not that we agree with Varg. It's not that we murder our bandmates. No, not at all. but where did our band go? That was never proven, What all of that stuff that happened. Just don't look into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Timothy Peer, regarding the last episode of uh, Alt, the brilliant uh, Cthulhu HP Lovecraft mythos setting for D&D, oh, he man. said, uh, your review made me want this. How compatible is it with DCC? Um, I would just uh, say very. It is very, because the stats in the book for all of the monsters are very simple, and it's mostly all about the flavour, so yeah, it really is. You can use it with pretty much any D20 system. Yeah. But it is bloody good. And actually, um, listeners who are waiting with bated breath to see if we got the physical edition, it did come, but a day after the episode. I think we'll be <laughs> yeah. talking about that in a minute. It's now in my greasy greasy little possession. Yep. Yeah. It's full of grease. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's get on to what we've been playing with what we've been saying. That's it for feedback. Yeah. What you slaying? Alright, so we wrapped up the D and D campaign. Sad face. Oh man. Gutted. <laughs> well, the thing is, actually it was pretty good timing because the week after we wrapped it up. Uh, pretty much my brother's just been going out to see his girlfriend and going on public transport anyway so he's compromised Uh, James Clark who used to be part of these regular episodes still part of the APs but um, anyway yeah James he uh, is also compromised so the week after we had to split up and and run shit online so it actually ended at a pretty good point I think yeah um, true yeah, essentially, the, this was our game where the where the players owned a disused zoo and had to populate it with monsters, and um, it ended with them fighting a giant. Well, actually, it was the Black Pyramid from Cholt, basically. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, they yeah. found this this uh, this there was this disease that was threatening them from another world, and they had to go into this portal, fight a big giant pyramid. But um, what what I'd like to do because we talked about that campaign a lot and it's a pretty simple premise you know capture monsters put them in the zoo see how your business does but what were your um, thoughts then this is the first time you and I have both played 5e um, properly so mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on it in the end uh, I absolutely loved it I'm not going to lie um, so you know I was a bit um, wasn't in a rush to try D&D out purely because it was the system that everyone assumed was uh, role playing and I was just like you right. know, mate, let's, let's, you know, let's stay away from that and get all the other kind of games down and get a feel for it before I went to D&D and I kind of put it off and put it off and we never really played it did we it was all, there was always a new mm. system that we wanted to try out so yeah. for, for the most part we were just like nah we'll get around to it but I tell you what <laughs> I like it more than Pathfinder I think yeah. For, for Dish. yeah same here yeah, because I, I, I think loved that it. what it does as a, a, as one of those kind of complex, kind of crunchy D twenty systems, 
I, I did actually end up liking it. I don't think that's anything new or interesting, but the point is, it made me realise a lot of stuff about Pathfinder, why people call it Mathfinder, and why it's so crunchy <laughs> and why it's so bloated. Yeah. And there are some things in the D&D 5e, it's still crunchy, don't get me wrong, but there there are some things where it's like, oh, actually, this does really work quite well. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm convinced I picked the right system for the campaign. Cause, oh, 100%, yeah. Yeah, the monsters are detailed on all of this, mm-hmm. and it makes for a good monster hunting game. And I think actually that's one of the overlooked strengths of D and D. People think it's just for dungeon delving, but if you do monster hunting and or investigation, it's actually pretty good at both. Yeah, and it handles but, business well. You know, we I know we had an extra book for that, um, but you know the whole part of the it made downtime. I was saying in off chat that uh you know the some of the downtime moments were my absolute favorite because that was all part of the business development and expanding the zoo and stuff and then we'd go out and do uptime as we called it and uh, that was actual adventuring but the two were so closely connected and fun that it doesn't really matter whether you was doing uptime or downtime and if you was out on an adventure for more than say two sessions you were actually yearning to get back to your zoo um, see how it was getting on. Yeah, that's one of the things I actually wanted to talk about because I feel like in the Dungeon Master's Guide, it's got some really cool things for like um, expanding a town, but it's not super extensive. It tells you the cost of a fort, the cost of a cathedral, the amount of hours it takes, but it's just simple enough just to get you going, and then it gives the DM like the the basis on which to build other things to build. But what we used was the Acquisitions Incorporated, and it was a little bit of a hack of that book because. It is a setting, but it's also a guide for running a dungeon plundering business. It's not specifically made for whatever business you want, mm-hmm. but um, I did I, I did find it useful up to a point, that book. I think it was really great, and it added a bit of flavour into the game that wasn't previously there. It was like Lord of the Rings by way of The Office, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and I liked that about it, but the, the little abilities that the characters get is probably the coolest part about it. Because you pick your company position as well as your racing class, and for example, like there's one of them's called the um, accountant, and they're sort of the um, accountant and occult expert, and it's pretty cool what they can do because they can get like a bag of bones out and predict the future. Some people get a bag of holding. Some people get a jar of whispers, which is allowed to use to record meetings. But obviously, that has added you know uses oh, and, and the uh, and, um, ballot box the ballot box is pretty cool for the votes yeah that that actually is a really clever tool for the boss because what the boss gets is a ballot box they're called the decisionist and there's a ballot box and at any time if the party are disagreeing about something let's say for example no I want to go left I want to go right all of this <laughs> they just pop out a ballot box but they get a special coin which allows them to get two votes um, and yep. so the decisionist is basically the boss kind of thing yep because they get they get the overriding vote but it still is diplomatic kind of thing. And if if you play a game like that where your party has a um you know a boss if you like uh, that that's decided before you start that kind of um I don't know the it's fun isn't it it's a fun it's a fun kind of dynamic within a group where like you're constantly going oh boss is a good idea or you run it always running it past the boss and if you haven't got the most competent boss <laughs> then you know well, it could be Alan, even more fun uh, Alan was Stanley he was this like he was this like old sort of wizened samurai bloke who was sort of fed up with life and <laughs> yeah. to just to give a complete summary on his personality it's Stanley from the office that was mm-hmm. pretty much it mm-hmm. um, and it was cool because it, it, it would be like 
if if other players were doing something silly, he'd be like, "We're going to put this on your monthly review with <laughs> shit like this." And it, he, he's yeah, it's like Dishington. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because Nick's character was called Dave Dishington, and um, Stanley would always every time he did something silly, he would go Dishington. <laughs> Proper sitcom style. It was um, it was a really fun dynamic I think with having Stanley as a boss and then obviously his wife took over we've never had a married couple with kids in it before in a game that was well that was brilliant because we did a couple of uh you know obviously one of the great things about D&D is that it separates downtime and and uptime and what I I actually liked that in the end because it made players focus on their real lives outside of adventuring and there was one downtime segment like you know they could have been building up the zoo they could have been out promoting they could have been giving a zoo a little much needed clean but what they did is it was um Stanley's birthday and he went out with his wife who was one of the other players and <laughs> My brother just says to me, he goes, right, so I want to, I've shown, I'm showing them a surprise. No, it was his wife's birthday, that was it. I'm showing yeah. Didi a surprise, you know, I've made this picnic, I've left it in the woods, and I'm like, if you left a, pic- left a picnic in the woods, what the fuck do you think would happen to it? It would get, it would get eaten by wolves. And um, <laughs> so they go out to see this fucking picnic during the downtime. With the kids. Didi and, uh, yeah, with the kids as well, and her two sons are there, and then suddenly, like, they just look at this picnic has been ravaged by wolves and they are growling coming in from the forest and the wife and the kids immediately run back to town and Stanley's just left there looking all sad with all this like ruined picnic around oh him. Oh my God, it was hilarious. It never went right <laughs> yeah, for Stanley. Like, I think we did a couple of downtime pit parts for Stanley when uh, he did that with the woods and there was another one and both of them were catastrophic failures. Bless him. Yeah. And you know what, like that acquisitions incorporated book, I think it is pretty good. It's just mm. that one of the big parts of it is it includes a campaign and I typically don't run long like plot point or written out campaigns. I, I don't mind running a one shot to kick a campaign off, but I typically mm. like it to be my own material. And um yeah, by all accounts that adventure looks great, it's just not my type of thing. But the uh yeah. Yeah, I thought they it added a great deal of um, comedy and often unintentional comedy to the mm-hmm. campaign, and that was his goal, and it was brilliant. But well, it's worth getting I it just for that, really. It gives you I the agree. kind of framework to be able to um, do these kind of adventures, even if you're not too keen on the campaign or want to run your own. Yeah, and there's great rules in there for upgrading your business, running a franchise, things like oh, this. Yeah. So, yeah, I would, I would definitely, definitely give that a shot. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, we liked indie. Although we've moved on now onto a new campaign because uh, we've started playing an online campaign in a pretend apocalypse while the real one goes on outside. Yeah. Um, essentially, what what happened was is we were we were gonna play um, Savage Fallout again, um, and it ended up well. We couldn't play it in person and. So we're going to play over Roll20, and I was going to run the first game. It's my brother's campaign, but I was going to run the first game, show him how it works on Roll20, and give him like a run-through. Do like an episode zero that could be plopped in anywhere in his campaign world. And I was looking at the Savage World stuff on Roll20, and it's good, don't get me wrong, but it's it's not amazing. See, the thing is, what we've got in our group is a couple of people that aren't exactly technologically literate. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and... I was looking at it right, and what you need to do, Roll Twenty is uh, to, for anyone that doesn't know, is a browser-based thing, uh, browser-based virtual tabletop, and that makes it great because there's no downloads or anything like this. But what it does mean is everyone needs to program in their character sheets um, mm-hmm. for different games, and they people have made really good Savage Worlds ones and even Savage Fallout ones. Yeah. But the trouble is, is that. You, what you do on that that system is all you do is you put you know enter the value into whatever skill you've got and whenever you want to roll it you just click the dice icon simple right 
But in Savage Worlds, the the sheets, what you do is you click the dice icon, then a box comes up and it tells you uh, any bonuses or anything like this, and then any edges that compensate towards it and things like this, and then you put submit, right? So each <laughs> roll takes that a little bit longer. Mm. And I thought, okay, you and I could do that in seconds, right? But I'm not naming any names, but certain people in our group would be like, what do I do again? What is What's it? that one again? Same game. Yeah, yeah. Same game. <laughs> same game. Same game. I mean, it, let's put it uh, again, not naming any names, but during our whole D&D campaign, right? That was 17 fucking episodes. The, um, the, the, this particular guy, he never learned what advantage meant. And his character had three attacks per turn with advantage. So I kept having to say to him, uh, I go, right, you roll three attacks with advantage. And he goes, what's that, mate? What's that? We've been playing for 17 weeks in a row. He's holding, holding fucking... a D8 in his hand. What's that, mate? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was always, what's that, mate? One Bless time him. he got really shirty with me as well because I said, right, Nick, roll with advantage. And he goes, yeah, but what's the advantage, mate? And I, <laughs> he's trying, he trying to be a smart ass. But it was like, it was like, well, it's just the same as always. You know, you roll 2d20 and take the highest. And he, he just he just shut up then. But, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So but anyway, we this is the kind of shit we're dealing very with. Good. Yeah. Yeah, he is a great role player and that's why he's part of the group. But, um, yeah, so so instead I had to pick a system that was nice and simple for us to play on there. Oh boy, did and you? So what I've done is, uh, yeah, well, yeah, I've done uh, Tales of the Wasteland. So it's a, a little um, Tales from the Loop pack mm-hmm. because this uh, the, the Tales from the Loop is player facing and it's a dice pool game. If you get sixes on dice, um, you, that means a success, right? And so. The 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 roll twenty platform builds up your dice pools. You roll them, and then we we're just doing it like that. And the little hack, you know, it works perfectly fine for playing Fallout. It traditionally tales from the loop is an eighties um, role playing game, like the Goonies. But in yep. this case, we've made it into a, a Fallout one. Why not? Um, so playing the same campaign, just different system. And what do you think of it so far? Roll twenty and tales from the loop. Yeah, roll twenty is lovely. Um, it's it's a cracking cracking thing especially for free um it's essentially yeah. the easiest way to describe it i would say is it's pretty much just a whiteboard isn't it it's just a whiteboard that enables you to whack a map down whack some art down and then you have your your you know your character sheets are almost a separate piece of paper i like popping them out the browser so you can have them separate <clears throat> i didn't know you could quite, do that that's handy yes so if you press the little button in the top left hand corner it'll pop it out into a separate window and then you can move it around and still look at your front page which is what i found out really late yes uh, when we last played but anyway roll 20 is cracking it's really straightforward you don't need um much experience really especially if you're a player um and the gm's had a go before um and the game yeah. tells from the loop again it's super simplistic uh, it's very easy. Um, it's very um, sort of story centric. So you know, um, I love it. I think it's cracking. It's a great fit for Roll Twenty, and it's a great fit for getting uh, first time onliners into it. Yeah, and actually, um, you're right about it being simple. But there's sort of a lot of because it's story based, then the game kind of gives the GM a lot of tools with which to build that story mm-hmm. up. And yeah, the game's not that centric around combat, but with a couple of rolls, you can resolve a combat quite quickly, which mm. is great and yep um yeah so so like take for example you know you more often than not you need one success to win so you build a dice pool of five dice you need one six to try and do the bloody thing that's it um and if you want to push a roll you don't have hp you have conditions and if you mm-hmm. push a roll you have to take one condition but you can retry the roll and the, the gm i think this is tales from the loop it might be a powers by the apocalypse thing but anyway 
point is is that the GM can basically make a soft move. So what he'll do is he'll say he won't say right, you get attacked, you get hurt, right? Because you don't roll for anything. He'll go the the uh, the enclave soldier picks up his gun and it starts whirring up and he's pointing it in your direction. What do you do? Then you have a chance to dodge it, and then once you've failed, you get shot. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? And that that's what it's like. Um, but if you succeed, then you don't. And a lot of times it can be however you want to do it. You can use a move roll to move out of the way. You could use a force roll to try and shoot them or smack their gun out of their hand or whatever. And with extra successes, you can do extra shit, which is fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, but the big difference is, is obviously in the original game, you know, that 80s kids version, what what happens is, is once you get four conditions, so you've got angry, scared, exhausted, injured, once you get all four of those, it, you then become broken, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, every single condition you have makes you have less dice in your pool. Anyway, if I'm putting, I'm making it so that in this game, you become broken um, and, and you could be if you get taken back to like your home base or your main city, then you get a chance to be healed. That's what I thought I'd do. Yeah, makes sense. Because in, in the original, you become broken, you just wake up at your parents' house and you failed that particular part of the mystery. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but don't really work in the uh, apocalyptic wasteland. Yeah, exactly. And I yeah. think I, I think it works pretty well so far. I mean, yeah. the, the, the session that we played, um, we essentially I ran essentially a playtest of one of our adventures, but retrofitted it to be... Um, about Fallout, Escape from Station 17, which isn't out yet, sadly. But anyway, actually, that's where you're wrong past me. It is out now. Drive through RPG, only $4. We ran that, and basically the guys have been captured by Enclave soldiers, and they're doing these weird experiments on people. Um, for some reason, they don't know yet, and mm-hmm. they've been captured, and they had to escape this prison. And it was pretty fucking fun. Like, we we uh, ended the whole thing. Like They were going through, picking up key cards, opening this door, that door picking up weapons all of this and then they finally bust out and we did a car chase through the through the wasteland oh, and they right, nicked yeah. an enclave car somebody else was chasing a car behind them and yeah they, uh, Nick um, actually stole a mech from the enclave a mini mech which is a bit damaged now but uh, yeah your character you're playing Thost who's a super mutant a smart super mutant he's a smart super mutant yeah he's a bit of a he's a social outcast for his normal super mutants because he's uh, quite learned and enjoys a bit of Shakespeare and stuff and he likes people yeah yeah <laughs> And then um, you also, yeah, your your character, you get like um, an anchor in uh, in Tales from the Loop, and that's basically you can go back to your anchor anytime to receive some sort of comfort and and heal any conditions, right? And Nick's anchor is a hidden library of books that he knows about that nobody yep. else does. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and so so we, you know, we, I think it started pretty well, and that's pretty much it for our tales in the Fallout campaign. It was a nice, simple episode to to sort of get the game started and get yep. the characters familiar with each other. And now we've ended it with them stopping at the edge of a cliff. Um, the other car that was chasing them flew off the end and, and ended up in some radioactive goo. And now they're they don't know where they are, and they're going to try and get back to Diamond City, which is yeah, their their sort of home. Try and get back home. Yeah, it was really, it was really good fun, and the, you know, all the characters got to meet each other because you know we essentially woke up in cells, so they might not have known each other previously, and a um, little bit of party bonding going on. And then we, yeah, we got out, we managed to escape, and um, <laughs> see where it takes us. But yeah, so far so what good. What I really liked was, um, what I liked was the uh, James. Uh, sorry, Sean's playing a character called Ray McScriff, and he's like <laughs> this mysterious stranger who plays the guitar and goes throughout the wasteland. You know, sort of helping people and nobody really knows why he's like a, a, a hard man cowboy with his heart of gold and <laughs> yeah. he um 
he 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 uh, the, one of the first one of the things about this adventure is that the doors um if they're locked they have like a a kind of um trap on them and you roll randomly for what the trap is right and so Sean went up he touched it and immediately shat himself that was the that was the trap and the adventure it just went it went haywire because he throughout the whole thing those shitty pants became the item he used for everything oh, there was three enclave soldiers in one room they start reaching for their guns and he just throws hurls these shitty pants at him and it's like and every, claps into one every, of their faces every time he used it it was like in roll 20 you've got like a chap uh, log on the side and stuff and obviously when someone rolls it tells me what they're rolling or what, what item they're using it'll just say shitty pants <laughs> yeah and it was like you'd hear this whoop and it was like shitty pants one success <laughs> one success yeah yeah I mean it, I think it's going pretty well so far I mean it's, it is you know we have retrofitted it to a pretty simple system that has nothing to do with Fallout but I, I, don't, I think it works I wanted to change the names of some of the uh, some of these skills and just make them more Fallout centric you know mm. but uh, I don't. I am the first clue about coding, so it's not happening. No, no, we we'll have to look into that. <laughs> but let's talk um, quickly about the Chalt. We reviewed that last game, and you got the physical book. I uh, did so indeed. just tell me, give me a rundown. What's what's the physical book looking like? It's incredible. It's got uh, an, uh, an amazing uh, sleeve, slip sleeve. Is that what they call them? Um, got a Dust book cover. cover. Dust cover. There you go. Yeah, uh, it's got the fantastic art with a million eyeballs and you know a million tentacles and the dark pyramid in the background which is fantastic remove that it's nice hardback cool colour uh, the art is just incredible it's just a fantastic book it's, I'm, I'm really yeah, it's really, got this, really like, happy to have it embossed gold cover and yeah. I think what the route he took for making it was sending it to an actual print company rather than doing it print on demand so he could uh, have all these little touches and yeah. flourishes and it's it, like, it feels it's like super a nice book. man it is. It's a really, really cool product. It's a nice size. It feels. It feels quality. The the printing's almost like a glossy kind of. It's just yeah. You can tell it's been well looked after, but production. The one trouble about it though is that you need to go via his website and email him um, mm. to to buy it, which is I I think it's fine because I've I, I've well we've met him now and he's he's quite nice and I, I think that obviously I trust him with my money but if you don't know him and you don't trust him maybe maybe that's a bad thing but you should. You. But no, right, you should I did you do an interview him. with him last week and um, well, that hasn't been edited yet and he's quite nice actually and I think I think you can trust him with your money but he does look like an evil villain so I don't know 50-50 <laughs> could go either way <laughs> could go either way but if you do end up um, trusting him and getting a product then um, yeah you get something pretty special because they, they're quite limited aren't they yeah, yeah, they are. He's he's got like a limited amount of two hundred copies, and they're uh, in his garage. I'm 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 reliably informed that they're kept in good condition in the garage. They're not under like a dripping pipe Bill or something. Dewey tap. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, <laughs> go get it. Go get the product. It's fantastic. You won't be disappointed. thing we want to talk about and what you've been saying and i know this has gone long listeners stop <laughs> complaining all the time um savage net right savage gone. we had to cancel it because of the diseases um unfortunately red hill and reigate uh which are the towns where we we are um or where it's held um savage con it's it has been infected we've got people in yeah. the area with the bloody virus so Same. we don't yeah. want to um we don't want to, uh, you know, invite people here and then get them all diseased up. So mm-hmm. uh, instead, what we're going to do is we're going to use the SavageCon page 
to be like a hub for all your online games. And Saturday the 18th of April, where once there was going to be SavageCon, there's going to be SavageNet. Yes. You can use that page to advertise your online games for that day. If you were running a game at SavageCon, get uh, invite people to it and get get them to play and use yep. that page for it. And it's going to be a hub. It's going to be Savage Saturday the 18th of April, yep. SavageNet. And we'll get everyone together. And obviously, if there are now we're going online, there's more space. So if there's anyone else that's interested in obviously maybe getting their games online, we're going to try and coordinate it all through Discord within our server. Um, and there'll be a kind of, well, we're hoping to have a communal room where everyone can chat and that, and then they go into their games. Yeah, that's that's essentially what we're going to do. We'll set up a little SavageCon Discord room, um, mm. and yeah, you, we want to have, we want to see people posting, you know, screenshots of their games, stories yep. about their games, things like this. And if you want to use the SavageCon UK page um, to post an event and um, yeah, get people invited to it, then you're absolutely more than welcome to do so. So that's not a great alternative but it is a, a pretty bloody good alternative yeah, and it's going to be a so. fun fucking day and we're still going to get people together we're going to get people gaming and um, yeah keep keep uh, stay tuned for that keep an eye out for the Savage Con uh, Facebook page and we'll do some updates with that Announcements should be coming Monday when this podcast is out. So, cool. um, yeah, I'm going to be running Tough Guys, some British gangster shit. <laughs> nice, and mate. Nick, you're doing Destiny, right? I'm doing Destiny and uh, The Crazies, which is a bit yes, fitting I'm now, Yes, I'm also doing um, Aliens vs. Rednecks, which should be a good laugh. Yes, mate, it will be. I'm a bit gutted that the the whole thing has gone under, and it is it is really, really sad. But oh, uh, mate, next year we'll be back, hopefully, if everyone isn't dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't say that, can you? <laughs> no, no, of course not. Um, we'll okay, all be fine. But yeah, we want to keep. We want to keep it. Um, we want to still keep it alive. So rather than completely cancel, uh, yeah, we'll yeah. do it online. Main subject: magic. Main subject: Tokyo. Main subject. subject. are all alone. Maybe Juxtaposing the plucky get-up-and-go attitude of the 50s with the grim inevitability of a nuclear fallout, the Fallout series of video games has come a long way since its beginnings as a game strictly for computer RPG nerds. Since Bethesda's takeover of the series and the subsequent switch to first person, there isn't a PS4 or Xbox that hasn't had this darkly comedic game grace its CD drive. And today, we intend to educate you, dear listener, on the best way to play Fallout as a tabletop RPG experience. Before we do that, though, I think it's important to know our history with the series. You see, Fallout means different things to different people, and it's undergone a lot of changes throughout the years. More recent adoptees might see it as a looter shooter with light RPG mechanics. Some might see it as a wacky world full of silly humour and over-the-top characters, while some might regard Fallout as a pensive role-playing experience set in a darkly comedic, deadly world. So when we say that we intend to recommend the best Fallout tabletop experience, it's important to know what angle we see the series from. So before we actually get into the best Fallout RPG in the world, <laughs> let's talk about our history. Nick? Yes. About the history, about my history with Fallout? 
Yeah, what's your what's your uh, what's your history with the series? Oh boy, so I've loved it for years. Yeah, so I played the uh, when I had PC back in probably late nineties, early two thousands. I had the old um, RPG style one. Is it was it GURPS mm-hmm. that used? It was it was uh, not GURPS um, specifically, oh, okay. but they originally tried to get the GURPS license, couldn't, and then made their own role playing system, which was somewhat similar. There you go. So all I remember the most is that the the, the main one that I had on PC was the it was the, it was Fallout that had the uh, Enclave guy face on the front with the helmet I think that's Fallout 2 then yeah I think that might be Fallout 2 so so that was the one I picked up and started first of all and and really enjoyed it and then when it went over to console uh, later on down I played it all I played Fallout 3 on PC then console then New Vegas Fallout 4 I've I've been in love with the world for years I've I've got extra you know the books and stuff the uh yeah it's fantastic it's just such a cool You're a big um big world. Fallout 76 fan aren't you Nick? Oh no. <laughs> I, took, <laughs> I took one look at that review and went nope. Not for me. <laughs> yeah exactly. No. My I favorite, knew it was going to be terrible. Since think, it, Bethesda uh, did um Elder Scrolls online and that was a fucking it was terrible and I was like man. everyone's like oh Fallout 76 and I'm like look they've already tried this and it was fucking awful. It's shite. Yeah so no I did I wasn't interested in that at all but I remember uh, a lot of Fallout 3 on my own <laughs> playing yeah yeah nice well, was that before you met your wife or something oh yeah yeah because it might yeah, have been a long time ago <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah so I, I actually started with um, Fallout 3 like most people did and obviously I loved it I, th- I, I still think it's a, a great game despite some of the the massive, massive flaws. I mean, the and main bugs. plot line is is awful. It's more yeah. of a roller coaster through the the wasteland with a terrible, terrible story. But yep. it's a, it's overall a good game. I think it's got mm-hmm. some great quests in there, great characters, and uh, played New Vegas too. Absolutely loved it. And um, yeah, obviously I've played four, but after I played three, I went back and played the old ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my favorite of the series is Fallout One. I, th- mm. I think that's where it peaked. Um, the difference being in in more recent Fallout games, the the idea is that you're a character in a world, and the idea with the old ones, with Fallout One and Two, is you know that those you shape the world. That was yeah. kind of more of the point, and that's why I particularly like those ones. Fallout Four as well, you know, a lot of people hate it. I think it's a pretty decent. It's a shooter game with Fallout iconography slapped on it, and it's pretty good. I like it. It's good. But, and if um, you, and I think the thing I like about Fallout Four is that they put so much effort into the um, the home building, the base building mechanics that you could be like, you know what, it's a bit scary out there, and not really go out that much. And just if you're into like, you know, managing a town and, and that and building stuff. You could just sit in your town forever. I love it. That's what I really did like about Fallout Four. The uh, the the building tool was great. It actually, yeah, and actually, you you make a good point. It was it was bloody fun, and I I, I lost so many hours to that the first time I played it. The second time I couldn't give a shit. The people were begging me for beds, and I was just like, go fuck yourself. I got more important shit. <laughs> yeah, I got red brooches to kill. But no, I loved it. I I spent hours. I, I fortified the town. I I had you know sentries as they come in and tried to build it up and stuff. And and for me, um, I, I think I spent more time knocking about doing that than actually getting out adventuring. I've not played much of the story in Fallout Four, especially the main story. Uh, mainly that, side that was quests. also really terrible yeah. as well. Like, yeah, really bad. But the but some of the quests in that game, you know, Silver Shroud and all of that stuff, oh, it, was, it was well good, man. And some and of them terrible. Was, I, I played this one the other day where, and we'll, we will get into the the uh, tabletop RPG, I promise. But I yeah. played this one the other day where there was this family who um, were arguing and they were at each other's throats and all of this. And it, this guy's talking about his mum, uh, like she's some uh, old woman and all of this. It turns out his sister's gone off with a bloke, and you need to go and get the bloke back. But uh, no, kill the bloke and get her back. 
And it turn, and for all out this, you're like, is this just shitty Bethesda programming? Because all of them look about thirty, and it turns out they've got this like um, immortality serum that they've been working on, uh, and it's it's really it's really quite good. That's pretty cool. But the yeah, the reason I like the old ones is is for that reason. I prefer those. Most people, you know, their favourite is either three or New Vegas. And Fallout Four, it's not as good as you know classic Fallout. Yeah, it's still an alright game. It's alright. It's worth Fallout Seventy Six is Garbo. <laughs> yeah, Garbo, big time. Don't go near it. It's not. A, it's not a Fallout game. But actually, yeah. Before we get into the the best Fallout RPG on the planet, um, I just want to tell you quickly about you know the the different games that are out there, dear listener. Because the reason I actually came up with this episode is because I saw somebody the other day on Reddit going, "Hey, I'm starting to make a Fallout RPG. What do you guys oh, think?" God it's sake. Like, not only are there so many out there, there's too many to choose from. Yeah. There's also um, a, an official one that's just come out, and it's like, mm-hmm. mate, just do a bit of googling before before you know. If what you I mean? put all that effort in, yeah, you know, you could be writing a good adventure, and all the Fallout stuff's already done for you. Well, I actually started playing Fallout role playing uh, uh, about six or seven years ago when I I ran my first, uh, uh, you know role-playing game at work and uh, essentially the system i used was the fallout p and p fallout pnp that's what it's called it's fallout pen and paper role-playing game Mm -hmm. and it's it's gone through so many changes over the years and i i'm not even sure if it was the one i'm using but i looked it up recently and it's a percentile game a little bit crunchy but it is a percentile game and i don't remember it being percentile at all so i don't know if i played a different version what platform was you using again for to play that game it was like Zoom, but it was um, it, it was called Link. That was it, and it was um, a, a conference, uh, like a, a chat thing that we all used <laughs> yeah. at work. Yeah, it had whiteboard functionality. So we had the two guys' character sheets on there. I shared maps on there, nice. and we would type to each other at work. Um, we played literally twelve hours a day. Work friendly, roll twenty can fly under the radar. <laughs> Well, that was it, yeah, and we all rolled on our desks. You know, you got desk dividers up in offices. We all rolled on our desks, and it, it, it was a great game. I mean, brilliant. Um, Overall, I think we played for two shifts, and a shift was four 12-hour days. So what it was was, uh, yeah, that was a lot of time, a lot of time that we ended up playing that campaign. Because, <laughs> you know, one sh- one game usually in an, in an RPG is four hours, so yeah. we played three of those every day, you know. Oh, it was mate. it was great. It was really good. It's pretty um, good. And I liked the Fallout pen and paper role-playing game. I just found it a little bit complex, and it also had a bit of a focus on... Um, replicating everything from the games to the point where one of the playable races was a dog. You could be a dog because oh there's God. dogs in Fallout. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> um, yeah, and obviously I've I've read a lot of the other things like the Fallout Wasteland Warfare with the RPG expansion um, is is I, I I don't like it because it's a mod of a skirmish game. And yes, listeners, I know fucking Savage Worlds is that, but the point is is that. It's. It, I find the Wasteland Warfare is a is a is a platform for shilling minis, and it's actually a very shallow game overall, um, with a lot a lot of expensive stuff to buy for it if you want to play it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically where I came across, you know, Savaged Fallout, and that is the best Fallout experience out there if you're a fan of classic Fallout and elements of the 3D ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are uh, what is confusing about this is there are others savage fallouts out there which um, are made by different people but if you type in savaged fallout 
into Google, it will come up with Savage Fallout. Just click on that first one because what it is is that the guy has changed the name, so now it's even more difficult to determine <laughs> to which find. one is the right one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Savage Fallout. And I'll put links to it all in the bloody show notes mm-hmm. um, so you can find it. But that is the best one. And we're going to show you why, okay? We're going to, what makes it so perfect as a Fallout RPG? Let's dive in and find out. Hey, what are you doing? I don't know, I'm just fucking tossing bikes in the river, bro. Yeah, so obviously the setting of Savage Fallout is powered by Savage Worlds, and it was Savage Worlds Deluxe. You could, but you can use this with your um, Adventure Edition or Deluxe, and Deluxe is a tenner, so it's an RPG that's a tenner, and it's this one is free as well, um, so that's you know plus one already but for those that don't know what savage worlds is typically it's used for cinematic games it uses exploding dice and a dice chain mechanic whereby the better you are at something the bigger the dice you use and savage fallout um is split into two books it's split into the wasteland wanderers guide or and the um overseer's guide right and it's the, what we're going to do is first of all go through the the Wasteland Wanderers Guide, and this starts off with a section about races, and the available ones here are humans, ghouls, and super mutants. Um, humans are susceptible to radiation, obviously, which is a new mechanic for this setting, and we'll get into that later. But they also get a free edge at character creation. Edges are like advantages for your character that set them apart mechanically. So yes, humans get a free one, but ghouls sometimes referred to as necrotic post-humans, are zombie-like irradiated humans, and they must start with one of the following following hindrances. So they get, uh, you have to pick from either decrepit, glowing one, or old-school ghoul. (laughs) Old-school ghoul, what a name. I know what you're thinking. It's a ghoul in, you know, with a sideways cap, you know, spitting some fat rhymes, right? But it ain't. Oh, what? I know, gutting, right? But uh, yeah, but basically, old school ghouls are old and have lesser strength, so they're like you know falling apart at the seams. <laughs> yeah. Whereas um, glowing ones are so irradiated that they glow and get a minus four to all stealth checks, right? Because oh, yeah. you you enter any place, you're trying to stay in the shadows. There aren't any anymore. No. Decrepit ghouls, however, are f- uh, really falling apart, and they get <laughs> minus one die type to vigor and a permanent minus one to all soak rolls. So in Savage Worlds, soak rolls are used to stave off wounds. So that's quite a big deal. These guys are wounded easily. You shoot them once, and arms falling off. I bet they're funny. I bet they're a laugh to play though. If you're decrepit and you're like, oh, my bloody arms come off again, and you got to try and like reattach it and stuff. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember the name of the character, but there's a there's in in the Discworld novels, there's a zombie that works for the police force, and he's similar. Like every time he goes out on a mission, his fucking arms and legs are falling <laughs> off. So if you want to play that, decrepit ghoul decrepit is the one for you. you. Yeah. And you're going to be need to find a duct tape and super glue to stick everything back on. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, but it's not all bad, though, for our ghoul fiends. They do heal twice as fast naturally as humans. So, basically, in Savage Worlds, like, every five days or whatever it is, you heal mm. a wound naturally. Mm-hmm. So, they will heal it every two and a half days or whatever. Nice. So, so they heal quicker. Exactly. So, they're easier to wound, but they heal quicker. So, it's it, there's, a, there's a good balance there, yeah. I feel. Um, they're also radiation resistant Ooh. and also resistant to chems. So this is a fallout name for drugs. So even if you want to take a, a good drug, like it doesn't have to be all cocaine and heroin. Even <laughs> if you use a stim pack, you have to roll to see if it successfully works because your body is so irradiated and fucked up, it just naturally resists it. Nice. That's pretty yeah. cool. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, so it, like, let's say, for example, you know, you've got some buff out or jet or something like this. Yeah. You want it to quickly use it in a battle to enhance it, you know. 
you have to roll for it. So you can't really rely on that as a ghoul. But, you know, being impervious to radiation, that's pretty amazing. It's they're, they're resistant to it, but not completely impervious. Oh, okay. Got you. Yeah, yeah. So so it's easier for them to resist the effects of it. And so we'll get into how radiation it. works later. But if mm-hmm. we're speaking of completely impervious to radiation, let's talk about super mutants. Ooh. So in this particular version of the game, they've opted for the Fallout 3 and onwards school of super mutants, referring to them as dumb, lumbering hulks. So for those that don't know, super mutants are huge yellow or green mutated humans. But these guys aren't mutated by the wasteland like the ghouls are. They're mutated by the FEV1 virus, meaning the forced evolutionary virus. So what this means is that in early Fallout games, they were the super evolved humans and represented the pinnacle of humanity. They're strong, they're smart, they're immune to radiation. Of course, Fallout 1 fans know the other complication with this, but essentially... Super mutants are badass, right? Mm. They're clever and they're fucking strong. But in this game, they've gone for the Fallout 3 and onwards where they're, they're on the other side of America, they're kind of dumb. They're more like post-apocalyptic orcs. Lumbering oafs. Yeah, they are a But bit, what, what's they? good is in, in yeah, actually they Fallout 4, they do have some references to the, to the uh, what is it like, East Coast ghouls or whatever, where, mm. uh, uh, super mutants, where you find there's that one guy who recites Shakespeare to calm himself down and that's who your character is <laughs> yes, based on my guy yeah but yeah um, so in Savage Fallout their super mutants they start with the racial trait of freak which means they gain gain the outsider and ugly hindrances from the get go and they must also pick from battle scarred gentle job fuck gentle <laughs> sorry I just a burp just rose up just then they can also pick the super duper mutant hindrance and because this is a hindrance, it sounds good, but it actually isn't, right? What this hindrance means is that your mutant is like the runt of the litter, and everyone bullies him. <laughs> and he's so dumb, he, he he's just too dumb not to follow orders. He can never raise his smarts beyond the D4, which is the lowest possible score. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, I know. It's, it's quite sad, isn't it? Super but, duper. Um, yeah. So the thing is, is that they are susceptible to being fooled, which means that if anyone tells them to do something, they have to roll smarts to avoid not doing it. <laughs> being tricked, oh no. Poor yeah, fellas. so, and, and bear in mind, you know, they've got the lowest possible score. In Savage Worlds, you need to roll a four to succeed most of the time, you know, mm-hmm. and you can modify that. But that means they have to roll the highest possible result on their smarts roll to not do what they're being told. Oh. I, I think this is like, you know hard mode really isn't it I mean that that is hard that's tough if you want the role playing opportunity to be somebody that always does what they're told you know it could be a good laugh to try and break out of that and become your own person yeah that's true and plus you know you, you, you can't modify your smarts beyond the D4 through normal character creation but maybe you can find devices out there that might help you with that Um, little implant but it's not all bad you know super mutants gain the meta human edge and start with a d8 in strength and a plus one to toughness so they're harder to injure and also are completely immune to disease and radiation which that's is one of the things you know i'm gonna bring this up because i still haven't ever had a satisfactory answer right at the end of fallout 3 okay there's this irradiated chamber somebody needs to go into the chamber and switch it off and it can be you it can be this other bloke or there's a super mutant who's with you, right? Called V, isn't his name, or something like that? Oh, No, God, he's in cell number V because it's based on V for Vendetta, but his name is... I've fucking forgotten. Doesn't matter. But anyway, he's remember. with you. Yeah. Why can't he go into the chamber? No, it's got to be you. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Plot hole central. <laughs> no, that doesn't make sense. 
Yeah, it does make sense. Anyway, um, yeah, but much like the ghouls, the super mutants, they heal twice as fast. The drawback of being so gigantic, though, is that they have to consume three times the amount of food and water than a human. Oh. Wow, that's a lot. And that's going to lead to arguments between people. Yeah, yeah. i got to eat. <laughs> He's had all the food again. Yeah, yeah. Look, I need three entire chickens a day, please. Yeah, well, I... Th- I think it would be it would lead to a lot of people was being like, should we just should we just kick him out of the wandering party? I mean, he's eating three chickens a day, right? He's eating every time we come across something, he bloody eats it. Oh, because that's the thing, isn't it? Because yeah, you know, like rations are quite scarce out there. You might get one red roach, and he's like, can I can I eat all of this? I need to eat. Like, <laughs> he goes through everything before, he, and everyone's got like one like like irradiated almonds to eat. <laughs> And he's munching a rat, whole red roach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm, I'm sorry about this, guys. I don't want to do it. I'm, 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 I've got to keep my energy levels up, you know. <laughs> I'm hypoglycemic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, no, he wouldn't be. He's immune to disease. Right. Anyway, um, that's pretty much it for for the races, right? In Fallout PNP, oh. it's possible to play robots and even dogs. And I think not including robots is a bit of a missed opportunity for Savage Fallout. But I mm. think I know why they didn't. And the trouble is, robots in Fallout come in so many shapes and sizes, like Mr. Handy, Sentry Bots, Robo Brains, Assault Trons, <laughs> and so on. So I think it's just simpler to use Construct, you know, that race from the Savage yeah. World's core book? Because mm-hmm. otherwise he's going to have to stat out every robot in the game, and that would be, like, basically oh, the races no. section would be the whole book. Yeah, yeah, no, just use Construct. Works. Because you, uh, you played a Fallout in our robot campaign before, didn't you? <laughs> I did play a Fallout in your robot campaign. Um, I played two robots in the Fallout campaign. Oh, you did, I played, didn't you? I played the Chucklebot. He was a com- uh, he was a comedian robot. <laughs> the, I can't remember what the other one was now. I remember I remember Chucklebot um, being um, pro. You picked a hindrance where it was quirk that he was programmed badly and and would sometimes accidentally tell racist jokes. <laughs> yeah, which is a great robot. Because the thing is about Fallout, <laughs> yeah. sometimes the robots they do have these these problems. And I've seen somebody in in a one shot my brother ran. He 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 took the schizophrenic um, hindrance and played a robo mm-hmm. brain because it's a human brain with that unfortunate illness. But he's, so cool. It's been implanted in a robot. Yeah, yeah, and that was awesome. a great idea. I, I love and it. that's the thing. I love, I love the flavor of robots in Fallout, which is a shame why yeah. it's not in, specifically in the book because they they can be so weird. And I love that sort of plucky fifties, you know, up and at them sort <laughs> How of. How can they help you? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm thinking of like yeah. you know the robots in front of um, uh, the Vegas Strip in New Vegas, where they're where they're just oh, like, man. oh howdy, partner, with that little cowboy face little, on it. Little little screen. They got a little telescreen at the front. It's just like yeah. a cowboy a cowboy tipping his hat. It's so cool. So good, so good. But, <laughs> Big um, bendy yeah. retro old sci-fi arms. Yeah, yeah, because they look like the arms from like classic Doctor Who, you know, where it's like obviously Danger that Will insulation Robinson, piping like... that they've used. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lost in space or something. It's the, the robots are done very well in Fallout. It's a but, shame they're not in there, but like you said, use Construct, get them in there. Yeah, and they're super. It's super easy just to add them in. But um, next up, we move on to the hindrances section of the book. Now we've mentioned a few already, but the hindrances are like you know the negative points about your character that get them into troubling situations. By playing these, you can earn bennies, and uh, which allow you to re-roll stuff. And the hindrances in this book are fantastic. They they line up completely with the traits from Fallout One and Two. Like all of them are included. For example, finesse. 
where you're extremely stylish with all your combat maneuvers, meaning you impress people when you when you hit them. But it means you do minus two damage because you're more concerned <laughs> with looking cool than you are with hurting people. All, all the twists and turns, rather all the, rather adding all them little extra bits in, actually loses damage, but it looks cool. I like yeah, it. <laughs> it's awesome. It's really cool. Um, yeah. Good natured is another one where you're a really nice guy, you know, but. That's a hindrance in the wasteland. It means you get a D4. Um, it means to buy a D4 in any combat skill at character creation, you have to spend double the normal amount at character creation because your guy begrudgingly uses guns, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a nice guy, really. Mm-hmm. And actually, that was the floor I picked when I first played Fallout 1. I picked that floor because I wanted to be somebody that talked to their way out of all of these situations. And it, it was really, really fun playing somebody like that. And I picked Good Nature. Yeah, and eventually, it did come out, out that I needed to use explosives for something. Can believe me, it was difficult to get. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, there's another one, Night Person as well. That's a famous one from the games where, you know, you're yeah. just you're just better at stuff at night. In the video games, that manifests as a bonus to doing shit at night and a hindrance mm-hmm. during the day. But what it is in this game is a hindrance and you get minus two to smarts-based skills during the daytime. Investigation, mm. uh, other ones that I can't think of right now. But that it means during, so. yeah. during the daytime, you're just worse. You're a guy that sleeps through the day and you you come out at night. And you're out and about, you're squinting. Oh, I can't see. <laughs> but there's bloody sun in my eyes. It's giving me a minus two to smart skills. Um, yeah, so one I really like that I've already mentioned is the schizophrenia hindrance, or schizophrenia, mm-hmm. I never know how to pronounce it, but um, it, prolonged use of stealth technology has resulted in some brain problems. So this is like cloaking <laughs> devices that you use on yourself. You've used it too much and you've got problems with your brain. And your character experiences hallucinations or suffers from a split personality. And yes, I'm aware that split personality isn't the same thing as schizophrenia, but I think they just lumped it into one wall-encompassing edge. So what this means is, in addition to these hallucinations or a split personality, you also gain a minus two to all notice checks because your character's always seeing shit out the corner of his eye. It's like... (laughs) You wanna you wanna poke your head around the door, you know, try and see if there are any guards in there, and you're like, yeah, there's five in the corner, right? They've all got fangs. It's crazy. You should see them, and they're all there, and it's and then everyone else pops their head around. Like, there's nobody in there, Dave. What are you talking there's about? There's no one there, mate. Dave, shut up. So like easy <laughs> on the stealth boys then. Yeah, exactly. Because you can, if you use stealth boys, which are the, these you know cloaking devices, the GM might give you this hindrance as a result if you're nice. using them all the time. If you're relying on them, that's cool. Um, that's really brilliant, cool. brilliant uh, hindrance. I really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, the edges, there are some really good ones as well. Now, in Savage, edges are split into cat- categories depending on your level. So you have novice, veteran, heroic, and legendary. And every five levels, you go you go up to one of these ranks. So mm-hmm. um, for some novice edges include Flower Child. This is also another famous one from the games where you have a plus two to chem addiction checks, so drug addiction, um, and withdrawal time from chems is halved. So you're just you're so used to drugs. You're a hippie, essentially. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, exactly. I love it. The Super Mutant Edge sturdy arm means that you can use huge weapons with one hand. So if you want to dual wield cars as weapons, that's your edge. <laughs> that's pretty cool. So couple that with ambidextrous and two-fisted, you get two attacks per round with two huge weapons. Pretty nice. I mean, not to not to sort of point out broken strategies, but you could dual wield cars. Cars, not oh cars. Or cars. If you had cars. Hey, what are you doing with me? Get off me, man. <laughs> there's, um, I must there's... say as well, if you've never seen the um, um, the, the 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 artwork for the little perks, which are essentially are what the edges and hindrances is in, in the RPG, check them out online because they're brilliant, aren't they? The little guy, the little pip, uh, vault 
Vault Boy. I would say also check out the ones they didn't use in the game, right? Because there was yeah, a couple that true. they couldn't, and there's an awful <laughs> one that's really bad, and it's used in this RPG one. actually. Oh, Should we describe it or no? Uh, yeah, why not? Well, we didn't do it's, it, did we? So they they were originally going to have a bonus. I think they 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 originally have a bonus in the game where, um, and this is the original video game where you could have a bonus against attacking children. <laughs> And it was called Baby Kicker, and the symbol is the little the little vault boy guy kicking a pregnant woman in the stomach. It's so really bad. bad. So bad. It's really bad. Um, but yeah, anyway, so um, there's loads more fantastic edges for starting characters, but let's look at some of the mid-game ones. Mm-hmm. Super Slam. Wow. It means that not only do you get extra damage on a raise on a fighting attack, you also knock opponents down as well. And for those that don't know what a raise means, that means you just get four above the target number in, in Savage Worlds. So you get four above the target number, you get an extra D6 damage, and you knock the opponent prone as well, which is fucking cool. Yep. Um, there's Demolition Expert, where you get a plus two to disarm all explosives and also do a permanent extra D6 with all explosives. And if you've played Savage Fallout, that's that's that's, that's like overkill. Oh, man. I once chucked a mine at somebody and yeah, used a mine as a throwing weapon. And it did, what was it, large birth template 3D10 damage or something oh, like this. Thanks. Nearly killed the whole party. Yep, it's ridiculous. So you've got an extra D6 on top of that. Uh, there's another one called More Criticals as well, which is an edge from the video games, and it's where the value of a raise um, on your character is lowered to a three. So, ooh, yeah, never seen something like that in Savage Worlds. And actually, no. I don't, I'm, I'm unsure about how it worked, but I'm I'm perfectly okay with that. I think it's pretty fucking cool. Mm. Um, so uh, enough of that. Let's talk legendary as edges. Okay. Now I will say this about the legendary edges: they're not that great but all the other ones are awesome mm. when you get to legendary you're looking for the you know the game breaking ones or the super powerful ones and the ones in this game it's like they're pretty good they're pretty good there's one called paralyzing palm where you can paralyze opponents for 2d6 rounds with fighting attacks oh wow that's a fucking long time in a savage yep. worlds game yeah um if you were using suede i'd guess you'd just use this you it would stun opponents now mm-hmm. um or there's sniper where shooting rolls only need a two above the target number to get a raise um, and there's ones like that. They're, they're pretty good, but you, you want to have like stunning ones for Legendary, but I think they're, yeah. they're good and they're consistent with the video games, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, for gear, obviously, the setting is awesome. It's everything you want from a Fallout. Melee weapons include sledgehammers, super sledges, the big frigger power fist, oh, the vibro yes. blade. It's all there. Did you ever use the power fists in the video games? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's um there's a podcast that Nick and I found of called Two Good Boys, and the guy just did uh, completed a stream. The guy called Guy actually completed a stream <laughs> called Fallout the Punching, where he only used fist weapons. You're a bit like that though when you play Fallout uh, three and four. You're more of a hand to hand combat run around in pants guy, aren't you? Yeah, weird. I use um <laughs> I use um, guns in the classic Fallouts, but in the three D ones, yeah, I'm always melee. I like to lure enemies towards me, then then like burst out the corner and smack them. Do you remember you got that baseball bat that has a chance to send them flying? That is a cra- that's actually a great mission from Fallout Four as well. It's got like a ten percent chance to send enemies utterly flying, and they, it's like fucking Team Rocket from Pokemon. Oh, mate, it's crazy. But the mission so to get it's really cool because it's like you're going through this old museum that's like a baseball museum or something, and yeah. the only thing you have to deal with is security. So you have to be a good hacker to get to this bat. That's it. And um, a cracking mission. But the, yeah, mm-hmm. the bat you send them, uh, they just go for miles, and then it plays this like home run <laughs> sound <laughs> effect <laughs> when you do it. When you hit them or whatever, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah, it's super good. So <laughs> that that would be a good weapon to put into a Fallout game. Actually, mm. I'm going to remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, so all the all the good melee weapons are there. We got ranged weapons as well, obviously. Um, we got ten millimeter pistol, laser weaponry, the big bazooka rocket launcher, the flamer, and of course the Fat Man tactical nuclear catapult. Oh yes. And for those that know uh, their Fallout, um, I, I didn't know this until recently, actually, which is embarrassing. But the big, the Fat Man, the 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 nuclear catapult. Um, in the video games, you can launch the nuke with it, but you'll notice you never find any other ammo because you can use it, the catapult to launch all of the junk you have in your inventory. I didn't know that either. Yeah, see, I only figured that out recently because I saw it on a video that was like an, an analysis of Fallout, and he's launching teddy bears, spoons, knives. It's like the gravity gun in Half-Life 2. Yeah, it's 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 pretty much the best fucking gun in the game, and I didn't even realise until recently. I just used the I nuke no and idea. sold it. Yeah, yeah, same. I just thought, well, no fat boys, so that's it. So well, there you um, go. Well, that's uh, that makes it a fucking cool item to put into your RPGs, <laughs> and that's in the fucking yeah. game. So, um, as we mentioned, you know the explosives in this game are fucking deadly. And you got bottle cap mines, pulse grenades. Mm-hmm. I think it was a pulse mine that I threw at that time that, that destroyed yeah. all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, to the radioactive nuka grenades, and armor is obviously wicked as well because it's got power armor in here. And I won't go how I won't go through like how the power armor works entirely, but the but the armor essentially gives like a huge boost to your toughness, strength, um, adds to your stats and makes you harder to damage, obviously. Um, and it has the additional benefit of radiation resistance, but you also need to power it with, with actual power because it's yeah. a mech suit, kind of. Yeah, that's right. Um, but there are obviously drugs in the setting called chems, as I mentioned earlier. And if you want buff out, it's there. These mega steroids are in the game and they give you a plus two die type to strength agility and vigor for six hours <laughs> i mean that's that's some good shit right there yeah. it is addictive though and and i'll get into addiction rules later jet it, jet, jet is yeah. basically meth amphetamines and it gives you a plus one die type to strength plus two to notice rolls and the action boy edge reducing penalties for taking extra actions during a turn and this lasts for five minutes. <clears throat> Thing is, um, a fun fact as well. I know we keep referring to the bloody video games, but I've got, I've got to use this knowledge for something. Go on. Jet and, and Buff Out and all of this, they were originally just called steroids and methamphetamines, right? But they ended up changing it because, um, yeah, because obviously that's terrible to put those things in your game. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they sound better anyway, to be fair. Yeah, I like I like the yeah. names of it because it's like... Can it's not... the other one? Uh, no, they're little... Um, like, they look like Altoids. Mentats. Mentats, that's it. Yeah, yeah, I like, and and you can get actually on Etsy. People make like little fake Mentats boxes, and I was thinking of getting one to put nice. like Sean. Sean's got bottle cap bennies for Fallout, and I was thinking of yeah, putting yeah. those in there. All the drugs are there, right? Basically, anyway, from the game, and mm-hmm. along with a host of like positive ones too, like stim packs, which instantly heal a wound. And that is pretty much it for the player's guide. Um, so Nick, what do you make of the character options in this game? You a fan? Oh. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, as a Fallout fan, um, I think it's been handled really nicely. Um, and they've definitely kind of brought the um, feel uh, of Fallout over to this game. I, I, and, and the edges and hindrances are cracking. Really, really well written. Um, and and yeah, like I said, if you're so a Fallout many fan, as well. it's done really well. Yeah, there's bundles there and it's all been done really, really well. Um, yeah, I, 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 I like it a lot. Like you say, if you're a Fallout fan, everything that you want is already done in there. I've heard people say that this doesn't do that much different to some of the edges in Core and things like this. But the thing is, it takes out the trouble of renaming those ones for you. you exactly. See what I mean? Exactly. It's and done there for you, yeah. Everything's yeah. there. Everything that was in the classic games and a couple of the ones that are in the 3D ones, they're represented in the edges and hindrances. And those are what sets apart your character in Savage Worlds. And I just think that's fantastic. 
There's a whole yeah. host of ones that are exclusive to ghouls and super mutants as well. So if you take on, you know, the the burden of being this hideous fucking thing, you've got these extra character options, which is cool. Yeah. You get the bonuses for it as well. So yeah, exactly. Be decrepit, be a decrepit ghoul. Yeah, I de- de- I'm, I'm definitely playing a decrepit ghoul at some point. You've got to, it, yeah. But to be fair, though, I think there's so much here that you don't even need to be a Fallout fan per se, but just enjoy the post-apocalyptic wasteland wandering, wandering, and it's all here for you. So. Well, I also yeah. think that um, yeah, there's so there's so many character options. But we had in our group, you know, uh, one guy that's only ever played Fallout Four, one guy that's never played a Fallout game, and they they loved it. So it works. Mm-hmm. But I think this brings us neatly to the Overseer's Handbook. Now, this is... I'm not going to go too in-depth with this because I think the character options, you've got an idea as to the game, but the GM's Handbook or the Overseer's Handbook is where a lot of the new rules are and things like this. Mm-hmm. And as I said, in this game, the GM is the Overseer. And the material for Overseers is kept separate. The book starts off with an introduction to the world, a gazetteer and an overview of factions in the Fallout universe. This is coupled with a kind of mini-setting which is like a snapshot of the full world. And it's basically post-apocalyptic California, which I think is fucking cool. Um, mm-hmm. And the website also includes a whole host of supplemental locations like San Diego. Um, but let's talk mechanics. Now, in Savage Worlds, melee attacks are done with a fighting skill and ranged attacks are done with a shooting skill. But in this setting, shooting is separated into big guns and small guns, whereas mm-hmm. explosive attacks are done with explosives rather than throwing or athletics, depending on which version of Savage Worlds you're playing. Two new skills are added into the game, um, survival and science. Survival is fairly obvious what it does, but the science skill is used for hacking, bypassing doors, and scientific knowledge checks. There's also a barter skill, which is used for haggling, which is something from the games as well. So it's separate from intimidation or persuasion. Haggling is its Mm. own skill, which I quite like. Um, Makes sense. And the biggest change to the system, however, is the radiation rules. So your radiation resistance is equal to one plus a quarter of your vigor. It's quite a low amount. And when PCs are exposed to radiation, the overseer rolls a die. It's 1d4 for low radiation, 1d6 for medium, 1d8 for high, and 1d12 for extreme radiation. And every time this die beats your radiation resistance, you gain a level of radiation. At one level, you're fatigued and nauseous, and your strength reduces by one die type at two you also lose your hair vomit and your vigor drops by one die type at three your skin starts to drop off and all traits drop by one die type and you gain the ugly edge and yeah this is the thing we we had the vomiting and hair loss once the vomiting yeah yeah do you remember when everyone was just chundering (laughs) because they were so sick we got given this this mission by a a group of people called the red wings and uh uh, basically we went out we travelled maybe for 10 minutes in the wasteland we all got thirsty drunks were fucking irradiated water and all of us were fucking puking up blood and we immediately went back to our employer like fucking give us some rad away we need it right now and we were chundering all over his desk and we were just like crying like please please it was terrible but yeah so that's um be worried about that. Radiation sneaks up on you in this game. It's real deadly, man. And at four mm-hmm. levels of radiation, you're in intense agony and you're incapacitated. Roll vigor and succeed or die. In Savage Worlds, that means all you need to do is roll a four, but remember that your vigor is already lowered from the radiation. And as we mentioned, you know, we went back to town and tried to get rad, rad away, which is radiation medication, yeah. <clears throat> um, because the only way to get rid of radiation is to take that chem rad away. But it's very expensive. 500 caps a piece. And bear in mind, most characters, I think, start with 250 caps each in this game. Mm -hmm. 
and they're yep. bloody hard to get hold of. So yeah, right, right away, it's like fucking gold in this game. Yeah. Um, and one pill only actually takes away one level, right? So if you've got three fucking levels, that's 1,500 oh, caps, caps right there. Yeah. yeah. Deadly, deadly shit. Um, I, I, I like the, uh, the the radiation a lot, and I think it actually leads to some role-playing situations. When your skin's dripping off and you gain the ugly hindrance <laughs> because of radiation, you know, you you can become a changed person, you know what I mean? Of course you can. Yeah, your face falls off. And it stops people from being so gung-ho as well, sometimes. Yeah, it really does. Because when you go out in the wasteland, mm. it's, people need to prepare. And also, mm. like you say, you see a fucking a moat of fucking radiation between you and a building you want to loot. The chances are, if you jump over and fall in, that's a D12 radiation mm. straight away. You could die instantly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, it's deadly. It's got to be deadly. Yeah, definitely, man. And I think it suits the setting. The only difference is, is that in Fallout video games, you know, you tend to save scum a lot and save before you do anything. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah <laughs> you can't yeah, do that in this true. game, but yeah. you do have bennies, I guess. <laughs> no, that's true, yeah. Um, but the other mechanic I want to speak about is bloody chem addiction, mate. Mm-hmm. So, once the effect of a drug has worn off, PCs must make a vigor check or become addicted. If the drug if the drug is labelled as addictive specifically, you, this is done at a minus one, or a minus two if it's highly addictive. So, there are some drugs are more addictive than others. If a character yeah. is hooked on a certain type of chem, that means they now have a weakness for this drug, and that lasts pretty much forever, meaning that they never really stop being an addict right it just means that yeah. when you take that drug in the future even if you've got over your addiction you're not taking it you haven't taken it in months right the next time you take it that you get a minus one to resist that addiction because it's it's always got a hold of you and i just think that uses the rules of savage world so well it's clever yeah it's really and, it, and, it, and it's it's realistic in this world you know yeah exactly and that minus one that cumulative minus one is uh, you, you write it on your character sheet basically as the chem addict hindrance and you can take that yeah. character creation if you want you know we actually yeah. had somebody that did do you remember Nana Moon she was this like drug addicted old woman that would uh, that would she would pretended to be a seer basically she was supposed to be a psychic but all she did was take drugs and then have hallucinations visions in, in air quotes yeah <laughs> she was addicted to jet and we'd always see her slope off and she'd be like I'm just going for a whiz and we'd be like okay cool and then she'd just come back like drugged off her head She'd be like, I'm having a vision. She OD'd in the end, didn't she? Oh, yeah, she did. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but yeah, after this section about chem uh, chem addiction, right, you have a handy random encounter chart. And I really like the way random encounters work in this game. Oh, so yeah. the person in the party with the highest survival score, this is to represent them sort of manoeuvring through the wasteland, taking the, the, the best routes. Mm. So the highest survival score, um, they roll, and they depend depending on the result of their roll. The overseer rolls on a different table, and you know the higher the result, the better it is. So you start with hostile, then go up to locations and remains, then neutral, then distress, then friendly and special. I've probably got them in the wrong order there, but it's like the types of encounters. So you've got all these different types of table, and depending on the the survival roll, you roll on a different one. Most of these are self-explanatory, you know, a, a distress or a neutral or a location, you know, it's, it's obvious what that is. Um, but the special ones are great. You see, in classic Fallout games, and I think well, in the 3D ones, you don't really have random encounters in the traditional sense. So No, not really. In the classic one, you know, as you're traveling across the wasteland, it goes onto that little map and then it suddenly stops and says, you encounter something and you go onto yeah. a map. And... Um, yeah, you have random encounters, and they're rolled on this huge table in the background in the video games. And you you usually encounter a group of marauding raiders, or some rad scorpions, or a travelling merchant. But sometimes 
you get the TARDIS from Doctor Who. <laughs> awesome. Well, I was just sitting there. Yeah, exactly. There are loads of like, like really weird ones like this, and you, you might it says you encounter something in the wasteland, and then suddenly you're in the battle map, and you just see the TARDIS like, like teleport away. That's so cool. It's just it's fucking awesome. So yeah, you get little things like that back in back in the old video games, and this game has that. So if you roll high enough on the on the survival roll when you're doing the random encounters, you get the special one, and it's a D12 chart of things like a talking cyber dog, an alien crash site, a garbled radio transmission, or a mysterious a mysterious figure in purple robes who <laughs> flees when he's seen. Things like this. And the bestiary is awesome too. You've got all the best hits from the series like Robo Brains, Maya Lurks, Super Mutants, Raiders, all the stuff you'd expect. And it's pretty consistent with the video games too. And finally, you get a bunch of paper minis too, which is pretty cool. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Is I mean, they're really cool as well, the paper minis. He's made these little graphics for them. They're different sizes depending on what they are. But uh, before we wrap up this review and, and discuss it a little bit, um, I just want to say that's not everything. The the Savaged Fallout site also includes a weapon supplement, five new locations, um, mini settings, three one sheet adventures, two types of character sheet, and an adventure deck. Mm, yes. You have any adventure? Because we used it in our last campaign. What did you think of it? You like you you a brilliant. fan? Yeah, it's really <laughs> it's really good. And if I remember right, is that the one that's been done in the Vault Boy style for each little picture? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It's brilliant. It's fa- it's absolutely fantastic. It's super cool. Like he's he's made it so you can print it, cut out the little cards, and use them. And for those that don't know, an adventure deck is like it was a deck of cards, obviously. And at the beginning of each game, you get one per rank. So novice characters get one card, and if you're advanced or or leveled five times and got to veteran rank, you get two cards. Yeah. And these cards can be played. You can play one at any point during the game. So you might get the mysterious stranger, where an NPC wades into battle with you, then vanishes as quickly as he came when the battle ends. Or atomic, where you move more spaces and the effect of radiation is reversed for one round. So instead of minus one strength at the first level of rads, you now gain strength. <laughs> nice. you, you get power from your radiation, <laughs> but only for for like six seconds. Yeah, yeah, you don't become Superman after that or something like that. Uh, so yeah. these cards, once you use them, you, they just go back to the uh, the overseer. But they're mm-hmm. really fucking good, and the amount of effort put into this shit is just is strange. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this guy has put a lot of effort into this product, especially because it's free. Well, yeah, and and that's basically it for the review. Like, like, what what is your what is your final verdict on the whole whole package, then, Nick? It's a must, it's a must to grab because I would say must buy, but there's no buying involved. You know, it's just a case of downloading it and playing it. It's it's a it's it's the full package. You get everything you need. It's a great game if you like Savage Worlds uh, or no Savage Worlds. Fantastic. If you don't, it's probably a really good system to get players that want to try Fallout and role-playing into. So again, that's probably a really good way to do it. And um, I don't think you can go wrong for a, for nothing, can you really? Well, exactly. And, you know, I believe... Here's my trouble with the other Fallout pen and paper games, right? Mm. They strive to get things into the game that don't necessarily make sense in that system. Or they, they have to really wrangle what they're doing, like in the case of Wasteland Warfare, to include things that are iconic to Fallout simply because they're iconic for, to Fallout. <laughs> right. like Fallout pen and paper... Um, has one of these things it has action points in it because of course it has action points in it because Fallout does and it's like it's not really that necessary and for example they include uh, a Pip-Boy in there and a Pip-Boy is not actually 
It's, it's, it's an innovation made for the video games to explain why there's a HUD. That's all and it so is. And so you can get a menu. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's just a menu, um, isn't it? Yeah, and so there's little things like that that this game, all it does so is... So all you need it, to do is give it a bonus rather than... So if you've got... So in the Savage in this Savage Worlds game, chances are if, if you've got a Pip-Boy or whatever, it'll just give you a couple of bonuses in-game and that's it. Well, it could be that um, because you've got this inventory system on your arm, you're it, it's quicker to get items out of your pocket. Exactly. There you Something go. Something like that. And instead, instead of trying to wrangle the system and change it and add thousands of setting rules all this game does is is just use the savage worlds mechanics to create fallout in the best way possible it doesn't include all the iconography but what it does is it's got rules for radiation that are specific to savage worlds and as a result you've got this game that perfectly meshes everything together it's the system and the game working together in harmony rather than somebody trying to wrangle it yeah, like the yeah. GURPS fallout or the fallout pen and paper so then you as a GM or overseer bring all the reference iconography and flavour because all the rest of the work's done for you for the system so that looks after itself you bring if you want to make it feel even more fallouty and add even more reference that's down to you as a as an overseer right yeah well exactly and and you know I, I think realistically this is it's the best one because it emulates the classic games which were more about role playing and influencing a world and it also um emulates i think really well the things like radiation and drug addiction using the system rather than creating its own little stupid subsystems yeah and all i would say is um play it and then and try to tell me that the exploding dice isn't consistent with Fallout. You yeah, see what I mean? That's true. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? It's just the, the craziness, the heads flying off, yeah. the people f- limbs being blown off of the 3D Fallouts. You know, it's it's consistent. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, VATS is a big thing in Fallout. Um, and, you know, cooled shots are piss easy to do yeah. in Savage Worlds. Precisely. And it's really good. Yep. Couldn't agree more. In fact, that's another thing. If you did have a Pip-Boy in the game, it could make cooled shots easier because you could use the VAT system. Exactly. So there you go. So you pick up a Pip-Boy and then you just get a you know a, a less of a, a, a penalty for doing cooled shots. Perfect. I will say my one criticism, and I'm probably the only person that really gives a shit about this, but <laughs> is I, I, I miss the old Super Mutants, man, when they were clever. Yeah, it was the best thing. Yeah, scary because they're strong. They're, they're you know, don't get sick and they're smart. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and the thing is, I'm going to spoil a little bit of Fallout 1 here, right? Mm-hmm. But obviously, the big drawback to Super Mutants is they're sterile. They, yes. they can't reproduce. They can't mate. No, and as can't. a result, so that, that means that they, they are, they're a dying race. Uh-huh. They're perfect in every way except for that. And Which I just is, think that's, that's brilliant. That's art. Uh, that, is, that is so, so well. It's just fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. So, they're, yeah, like you said, perfect in every way except for the most fundamental way of surviving, reproducing. So, so the good thing is about playing a super mutant. You know, if if you did have the, you know, the smart but strong as well, the thing is, is that they're they're ultimately doomed, and that that I think is a really interesting role playing thing. But fuck it, you know, people like the new ones. I don't mind them. Nah, at you know, because if you play that of... one and you could have a conversation, you'd be like a really melancholy kind of super mutant because you'd be like, well, you know, I could try, but what's the point? Yeah, I could go and raid that particular museum, but uh, but I think I'll sit here crying for hours. I'm just, I'm just gonna look into the sunset instead. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he's just sitting on the edge That'd of a building fun. like Batman, looking, looking morose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's Savage Fallout. I would urge anyone who can get, a, who can get a copy of it. I don't know why I was going to say that. <laughs> who owns a printer? Go and buy it. Go and get it, or or a phone or whatever. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just pick up a copy of Savage Worlds Deluxe, man. It's like they're selling for like five pounds online at mm-hmm. the moment. 
But that's it. Um, anyway, we'll get on to some... Uh, let's do some electro letters, right? We actually asked all of you for your tips on post-apocalyptic gaming. So let's get into that, shall we? Yeah, let's do this. In the future, you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet. This, sir, is the electro letter. Um, yeah, we asked for your tips on post-apocalyptic role-playing, be it for a GM or a player, and we got a couple of responses to this that I think are pretty good, but annoyingly long, right? <laughs> Keep it short. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I don't mind the long ones. Yorkus Rex, he says, Remember that the number one enemy is the environment. Whether it be radiation or wild magic coursing through the earth, long-term exposure should have negative effects. Bartering should pl- replace money. No gold pieces or bottle caps. You're plunking down a two-headed pig in a rebuilt carburetor if you want this rifle, son. <laughs> there will be good people and bad people, but mostly people will be desperate. Not every cannibal family enjoys making you into chili, but they're going to do it anyways. <laughs> yeah. For most people, hope will be replaced with grim survivalist instincts. No one wonders when society w- will be rebuilt, when they are instead wondering if they can snatch an unopened can of dog food out of the rad scorpion pit. <laughs> Um, we'll we'll address those pits points first because I think they're they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, the gold pe- the I do agree with them a little bit that bolt caps are just kind of a replacement for money. Yeah. Um, I mean it's but I, bartering and trading is fun. I do think I do think I I think trading is 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 a good thing and should be included in any post-apocalyptic game. But I don't really mind bolt caps simply because it just makes things quicker. I know. It's not really. Well, you could do. You could use both, couldn't you? Because at the end of the day, if, if if bottle caps are very sparse, you know, maybe the characters start with some before they know it. They've spent more. They're not really coming across many more, and then they have to rely on. You know, we've just got two rad scorpion steaks here. Can we swap? Can we trade them for something? And it adds that extra element, doesn't it? it? Yeah. We're, right. We're out of caps. We've got to trade. Exactly. Good. Good point. You know, it it, it can't be. It doesn't necessarily have to be all money. You know, when the money runs out, then it's trading time. Exactly. Um, additionally, if you wanted to change that up a little bit, what you could do is have like a prison system where the the accepted currency is also a useful resource, like packets yeah. of ramen or something. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you've got a stim pack, that that gets you ex. That's the equivalent of X amount of bottle caps. But I do agree with the the whole thing he's saying about grim survivalist instincts. Oh, you know, absolutely. People, like in 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 Fallout, like recent Fallout games, right? Um, all the raiders are depicted as, as you know, vi- violence-hungry maniacs. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, sometimes they might be doing it to feed their kids, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Yeah, just yeah, exactly. Just because they are cannibals doesn't mean that they're bad people. <laughs> doesn't mean <laughs> they extent, like it. To some extent, yeah. So, no, I yeah, like that. No, like, so, I think that's a very, very good point. But Yorkus also finishes up with one extra point. He says, also, everyone converts the BDSM fashion. <laughs> it's required. Leather harnesses, zipper masks, and assless chaps, as far as the eye can see. The, post- the post-apocalyptic smells like sweat and leather. <laughs> That's weird though, because if you like in Mad Max, they sort of do, don't they? Oh yeah, bit? definitely. But I think in a more realistic world, it'd just be what you can get your hands on. So you'd have people with like worn out Mickey Mouse jumpers on, and you know, busted old Coca Cola T-shirts, and like people using bras <laughs> as earmuffs. Whatever, yeah, whatever they can get their hands on, yeah, precisely. You know, gaffer taped boots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you're right, and but I think Yorkers is projecting his own little fantasies on there. Definitely, but he, t- he clearly knows what I. Uh, uh, post-apocalyptic world looks like. Um, yeah. yeah, great advice. Well, 
He's living in one. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Daniel Irwin, he says, um, depends on the type of apocalypse and how long after it is. Technology might be all just a myth, as everyone has reverted back to the Middle Ages, or that might actually be that there are groups with super tech who simply keep it to themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's a good point, because we talked about Chalt last last uh, episode. Yep. And yeah, it is a bit like that, isn't it? Where where after the apocalypse, it was yep. like it, it happened after sort of a really technologically mm-hmm. advanced age. So there are like super science gadgets out there, and actually there are certain people, yep. probably like rich people with bunkers that still have loads of this shit. They got TVs. Nothing's being broadcast, but they got one. They got one. Yeah, I like that. I like that kind of where you know what, humans got to a, a technological point where it was superior, and then there was an event that wiped it all out. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, it is fantastic. And yeah. uh, another great one for that is Winter Eternal as well, because mm-hmm. that's the setting for Pathfinder and for Savage Worlds. And in Winter Eternal, um, you know, it's so long after the apocalypse. Essentially, the sun blew up and now it's winter. It does make a lot of sense, but it's a fantasy world, so who gives a shit? Um, but yeah, so now technology is starting to... They're moving on. It's like mm-hmm. a lot of fantasy worlds, they've been going for like thousands of years, but they're still using swords. And in this particular one, they've got, you know, buses, they've got fucking speakers, radios, all of this shit. That's right. Yeah, they have, yeah. So yeah, and uh, Daniel Owen also says make everyone wash their hands before coming to the table. <laughs> I think he's talking about our post-apocalypse now, rather oh, right. than the, the ones in world. the game. Yeah, well that's good advice too. Keep washing your hands. Well, in the very last few games we played during uh, coronavirus, yeah, we we washed our hands. Um, James, the host, he would squirt squirt the stuff into our hands as we were coming in and out. Yep. So yeah, yep. we do do that. We were being pretty and, um, careful. We usually do a fist bump or a hug at the end of a game, say goodbye, and uh, that, that went out the window, didn't elbows. it? Elbows. Like, that's not happening anymore. Yeah, it's all elbows. It's a shame. Well, a lot of people are saying now do the, the, do the foot handshake. Oh, you know when I mean? you flip over and grab the ankle and lift up. No, no, no. You just tap each other's feet together. Oh, okay. That's all right. Yeah. Why I don't not? Know. I think it works. What is going on here? Lewis Pineda, he says, depends on how re- realistic I want it to have for the players. Too realistic can sap the fun out of a game. Most of these tips are as a GM. Mm. And he says, food, water, and shelter matter. There's a fatigue system in the game. Use it. Stick to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and another good point. Fucking Savage Worlds has it. So Savage Fallout, it has a fatigue system in it. And it's really go. easy to use. Really um, easy, yep. Automatic difficulties to healing... Treating a wound with a strip of cloth from your shirt is not the same as a sterile bandage. <laughs> not bad, shout. That's a fair point. Yeah, everyone does that, don't yeah. they? They're just like, right. Uh, the GM goes, "How are you healing him?" He goes, "I tear a bit of my shirt off." Yeah. By the end of a post-apocalyptic campaign, they've just got like the neck <laughs> bit of the shirt just around them. It's like a necklace. <laughs> yeah, exactly, like a cloth necklace. Um, equipment is rare and valuable, he says. Using anything other than an entry tool to pry open doors will mean it breaks. So a knife and a sword will break even in a successful attempt. Mm. Keeping track of ammo should be visually represented on the table. Mm. So, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I'm guilty of that. I sometimes, like, he said at the beginning his fucking email that that don't make it too boring and sometimes tracking ammo can get boring but in a post-apocalyptic game it is just important. Yes, because it is so sparse. Um, So, yeah. Because it's also little GM secret here really good way to control it if players get overpowered items give them no ammo if your player gets a plasma gun really early on in the game that can kill people in one shot oh suddenly he stops finding ammo for it uh oh <laughs> uh oh sorry man but that's yeah. wrong and I would never do that but anyway <laughs> um, 
he's, he also continues, he's a long email, right? He never shuts up, this guy. But he says, base it on an area or environment you and the group knows. That's a, that's a good one. This yeah. makes it easier to give detailed descriptions. This also allows players to use the environment in a city they find tempted glass shards and build a knife that can be used once before breaking. That sentence was a bit dodgy, but maybe a tire iron, st- maybe a tire iron stolen from the body shop down the street. Yeah. In England, mate, body shop is a very different thing. Because <laughs> we've got uh, we've got things called like quick fit or something like that that are um, yeah. that are car shops, right? Mister Clutch. But, uh, bo- body shop is a uh, is a shop that sells beautiful soaps. <laughs> it's not even a joke. Yeah. It's no, a real thing. My mum right. used to work in the body shop. Good old body. I went. I actually went to the body shop factory uh, on a school trip. No way. That was the nice one because we got free stuff and it smelled great. The worst trip we ever went on was to the local sewage plant where we watched condoms float around. Fucking hell, we did that too. We went to the <laughs> reservoir and it was fucking disgusting. <laughs> and it stunk. And remember? we and we took a trip. Was it a geography, I'm guessing? Because we went to the dump must as well, the local dump. Must have been. Yeah, must have been what they were doing at the time. It was the worst trip ever. So why do I want to go there? Yeah, and some fucking. There was just some guy that really didn't want to talk to us. You know, he's just a normal ass guy. He's trying to say, yeah, so this is your basic. Uh, you put your grass waste in there. You put your 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 other in there, and metals in that bin there. Next up, boxes. And we, you know, it was so boring, and it fucking stank. Um, Mate, shit. Where was shit it? Anyway. Trips in the nineties. Sorry. Actually, no. T- t- like, I, I will. I got to tell this story because once we went to, on a school trip with the geography to a sweet factory, right? I know what you're thinking. How fucking cool is that? It was Amazing. depressing. It's really <laughs> depressing. Because we couldn't try anything, because it's all like fucking two thousand degrees hot, and it was it was mainly run by two guys, and obviously very sterile and very just like it's just grim and depressing. It's just a workplace at the end of the day. You think it's going to be like Willy Wonka when you're ten years old? (laughs) And it's just like poor people like grafting. Yeah, exactly. They just don't like it. God bless um, them. He says everything has an expiration date. Everything. Gasoline is worthless after three months or so. Diesel Mm. can last up to two years if in a sealed container, but that's not likely. Food spoils quickly. There are other survivors, and they are just desperate. Shorter players want to build a fire for night, but they have no way of blocking or obscuring the light and would be seen from kilometres away. Mm -hmm. He lastly says, as a player, let the GM dictate the world and don't assume anything. Drop the heroic mentality that develops with D&D. You aren't heroes that are better than the common rabble. You are the common rabble. Your concern is survival, not renown. As mm-hmm. fair, maybe we stumbled across that particular mistake in our first campaign when we tried to become the biggest heroes in the wasteland and ended up dying. Because <laughs> what we tried to do was start the biggest casino in in the whole of America um, and wanted to get people from f- wide, like far and wide come to our casino yep. and we wanted all the caps, all the money, all the fame and it ended up in all of us being killed. So yeah, I think Don't he's right. He's, got, he's right there, yeah. Yeah, um, that's basically the end of his email. I'm not going to read the rest because he, he goes on for far too long. But some re- really great tips in there. I, I do agree. I think tracking everything and how long people have had it is just it's too much for me. But if you like that kind of stuff, then please do. But equipment being rare and valuable and also, you know, everyone being desperate. That is a good fucking point. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think- no, it's not, it's not like you said, yeah, it's not heroes. It's survival in these type of games. Yeah, and we uh, got taught that lesson very badly. Um, yeah. So yeah, some some great emails and great tips on on uh, post apocalyptic role playing there. I appreciate those a lot. But we did get one general question from Dan Irwin. He says, follow up to last episode. What's your favourite YouTube clip? So I'm thinking this is like this is like short ones, right? 
short ones. I think I've got oh. I've got two right, and one is awful, like really awful. But I will tell you the first one. First of all, is tossing bikes in the river, bro. But um, yeah. it's basically this kid who's just he throw he throws a bike over a, over a bridge, and some kid's like, "What are you doing?" And he goes, "Just tossing bikes in the river, bro." And that's it. That's the whole clip. It's awesome. But then my my favorite one that I love to show to people, and it's not what you think. And what I'm about to say is terrible, and I don't agree with it in any way. But it's called trying to get a hand busy and oh it's really not what you think but it's this little kid who doesn't know what he's saying he doesn't know that he's saying what he's saying is really awful and terrible and he's just riding around a skate park on a scooter repeating that phrase over and over again oh my god it's I so might cut bad that, i might cut that from the podcast but the point is that's very funny but um there's also the the, the i think everyone's seen this one the classic one of the 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 bloke who who's like standing outside it's like a reporter standing outside a um a f- uh, like a store that's selling fireworks and he he puts the mic over to this this kid's face and he goes so how are you going to be enjoying fireworks day or something like this and the kid just goes yeah. wouldn't you like to know weather boy <laughs> <laughs> oh dear one of mine's got to be breakfast that's What's, a classic oh god yeah yeah it's this what's the, going on here that guy and then the kid's just like breakfast <laughs> it's it's a clip from a a, a uh uh, like a school play with this little uh, Down syndrome boy is wearing like a, f- a flower outfit with all the petals around flower. his head and he just goes breakfast at the camera <laughs> yeah. so good man that one and the guy that hot, that's hoffing um, hot dogs that's horrible I can't watch that <laughs> we're gonna go viral with this one <laughs> and chicken nugger you ever seen it played in reverse chicken, yeah oh, it's, it's disgusting and then chicken nugger is obviously but it's a little bit longer but it's the best YouTube thing ever made chicken nugger again that sounds that sounds like something bad but it's really not it's, it's this this is like obviously really badly written menu for like a Chinese or Indian place and um yeah, like like it's, some of the stuff is spelt really wrong, and it's like instead of sweet potato, it says swear potato, <laughs> and it says chicken nugger, and this guy does like a dramatic reading of it. It's so fucking good, man. <laughs> so good. And they're my Have favorites. you ever seen them pretty much everywhere? It's going to be hot. Which one? So there's this weather guy in like a uh, you know an African country or something, and you just see the end of it, and he just points at the map, and he goes, "Pretty much everywhere, it's going to be hot." <laughs> and then the woman, uh, like the other presenter, goes, "So I don't need a jacket." And he laughs like it's the funniest thing <laughs> anyone's ever said. And it's like, well, it wasn't that funny, mate. Yeah, it's really good, that one. Awesome. What a good question. Yeah, that was a good question, man. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll probably play a lot of these like as jingles throughout the show or something. Yeah, uh, Oh, no, we, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the best one is New Forest Temple, which is this guy who's made music for Legend of Zelda by himself. <laughs> but all he's done is like sing it in this the weirdest way possible. We've used it as a jingle on this show before, but he's going... The best one is when he goes, <laughs> so weird, so weird. That is so weird. <laughs> anyway, good question. Anyway, some really good advice um, from people there, and a great question from Dan Owen. I like answering these general ones, it gives us a chance to talk some absolute rubbish. Yes, yes, and that's always a relief. Well, let's do an outro, shall we? Yeah, let's do this.
right so um yeah thank you for listening to this episode i'm i'm hoping that it wasn't wasn't shite considering that we've uh, you know we're not recording in person like we usually do things are just going to be a little bit different around here for a little while but uh mm-hmm. yeah hope it was decent hope you enjoyed it and we welcome your feedback but only good feedback in it nick <laughs> Yeah, only good feedback. We're very, we're very sensitive at the moment. <laughs> yeah, sensitive to both disease and our feelings being hurt. Um, yeah, exactly. Of course, remember, um, go anyone, even if you're not in America, go and like Savage Con's page. It's Savage Con UK, obviously. And uh, yeah, join in with Savage Net on Saturday, the 18th of April. Um, mm-hmm. Buy our new product, 100 Weird Widgets. I know things are bleak out there. But this is a pound fifty, and I guarantee you it will cheer you up. It's 100 strange yeah. gadgets for your sci-fi game. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I want to shout out on the same network as us, the Wild Die Podcast has just had a new rebrand. Uh, Nick and I used to be on that; we're not anymore. And uh, essentially, they've got Carl Kiesler on there, who's a legend in the gaming scene, yeah. and they've they've Absolutely. cut it down to twenty minute episodes, so you don't even need to listen to Eric's really boring voice for that long anymore. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. Go check it out. Um, it's, it's it's nice they're back. Yeah, it's nice they're back good and it's good them. little bite-sized episodes about Savage Worlds. Mm. And of course, mm-hmm. if you like this drivel and you want to donate, please hook us up with a few bucks on Patreon. Just search up the yes. 3T RPG podcast and you can contact us on 3TRPGpod at gmail.com and we're on all the social medias. That's it, isn't it, All Nick? of them. That's it, mate. That's it. Um, yeah, we are still here. We're still going, supporting the world, hopefully. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> Right, anyway, um, yeah, just remember the D20s are cool, but 20Ds, now that's a good time. See you later, everyone.